right in the middle of your, of your Bible and, and slightly turn left. And so that's where you, you will find uh, the book of Psalm, chapter 88. We're going to be beginning in verse 3 here in just a few minutes. Um, I won't set that there. Um, this morning, as we begin our season of Advent, a season of anticipation, a season of, of trying to anticipate what God is doing and where God is moving and how God is, is active in our world and in our lives today. I want to take a look at things uh, maybe just from a different angle this morning. And so I start with this. I want you to start thinking about in your life how many times someone has made a promise to you and then they have broken that promise. And maybe you need to narrow the field a little bit. Maybe that needs to just be you know, narrowed to just your parents or just your kids or just some you know, one particular group of people. But how many times has someone who says they love you made a promise to you and then broken that promise to you? Can you count that up real quick? Anybody need a you know, scientific calculator to kind of get you there? When that happens, when a promise is broken to you, how do you feel? Do you feel angry? Upset, frustrated, exasperated, discouraged? How do you feel? Now, turn the table. How many times have you made a promise to someone and then not fulfilled that promise to them? See, it's real easy for us to get that righteous anger when someone breaks a promise to us, right? a little more difficult to swallow and more difficult to accept when we realize that we too have made promises and then broken those promises to other people as well. People that we say we love and then we break our promise to them. I I don't know about you, but it makes me uncomfortable whenever I learn that I do that. A couple weeks ago, it really hit close to home. I had called Michelle and said, hey, I'm going to be home at 6.30, which was fine. And, And then I was late because I decided I wanted to stay and get one more thing done. Anybody ever done that? Thank you for letting me know I'm not the only one who does you know, stuff like that. So I get home and I you know, put down my bag and go in and say, hey, sorry I'm late. And Michelle just very calmly says, no problem. It's no big deal, really. I'm like, oh, yeah, whew. And then she says this. I don't really expect you to be home when you say anyway. <laughs> Ouch, right? And that's a little thing, but isn't that kind of a magnifying glass as to bigger issues that we have to look at within our life, as I do within my life? No big deal. I didn't expect, wow, you got to kind of look at that. And yet, I would suggest that I'm not alone in that or in other promises that that we make and that we break. I would propose that we are a promise-making and promise-breaking society and people. It's what we do. We say things like, I will always or I will never until death, and then we fail again and again and again. And if we look at the scriptures, we find that this truly is the story of humanity. We've been entered into the story of of God and into humanity, and, and we fit right in there. You look at the Old Testament from Genesis through Malachi, all 39 books, and it's essentially a group of people who are making promises and then they break their promises. They make vows and then they break their vows. They just aren't very good at it. We are still really good at that too, aren't we? We're really good at making those promises, especially in the heat of the moment. We will start to make promises and vows and barter with God, don't we? We want help. 
and we want it right now because that's when we need help. We need it right now. And so we say such things as, God, I promise, if you will get me this job, I'll start tithing, right? God, I, I promise to you, if you will get me out of this, I'll go to church every Sunday, right? I don't care how early the service is, I'll go. If you heal my spouse, I'll never quit praising you. If you bring my child home safe, I will pray to you every day. Anyone ever made one of those types of commitments to God? Anybody willing to admit that? Yeah, I, I think if we're honest, many of us have. We have said to God, if you will come through right now in the short term, I will make a long-term commitment to you, God. And then when God does come through, what do we do? First thing we do, thank you. Now about that, right? And we start backtracking. We start looking for the loophole. We start trying to figure out how to not quite follow through with the promise that we made. And I want to propose to you this. That one of the reasons we fail to keep our promises to God and to each other is because we don't believe that God is going to keep his promise to us. Now I want to say that again. One of the reasons that we don't keep our promises to, that we make to God and to other people is because we don't believe that God is going to keep his promises to us. Now, you may be sitting there going, no, 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 that, that's not it. That's not it at all. And, and I know that since we're in church, the right thing is to say, oh, no, we always believe God's going to come through on his promises, right? But honestly, I, I think it's something that, that is true. It doesn't feel right to say it. I, I acknowledge that. But, but I want to suggest it's more true than we are willing to admit. If, you're, if you open your Bible to the book of Psalms and, and you look at basically any of the 150 chapters in there and you start reading, it sounds eerily sim similar to a Taylor Swift song, okay? The psalmist will say such things as, God, I love you. God, I hate you. God, I bless you. God, I curse you. God, you're the best. God, you're the worst. All at the same time, God, you have failed me. It's like, I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love you, right? It's that back and forth, God, we're in this relationship and it's all weird, right? Look at the scriptures in Psalm 88. That's where we're going to read. And if you have your Bible, I invite you to follow along and, and read along with me. Psalm 88, beginning in verse 3, it says this, For my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends, and you have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I've been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. 
All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? I mean, this guy, this writer here, he, he's crying out, God, my life is horrible. And guess what? It's all your fault. He's saying, God, this is your fault. Everything that's happened to me is because of you. I cry out to you. I pray to you. And yet you ignore me and you cause all these things to happen to me. And what I think we can draw, one of the things from that psalm is the fact that that you can be honest with God. You can just be be gut level honest with God. You don't have to pretend like you have it all together. You can say, God, here's who I am. Here's who I believe you to be. And we can just lay it out there. And I would guess that at some point in your life you either have or you will feel like the writer of that psalm where you just feel like you are in despair. Something else that we need to realize from Genesis to Malachi, you're often going to find in the narrative uh, the story of the people who were in exile. The people who were in slavery, they were oppressed. They were wondering if God was going to show up. God claimed them to be his people, and then all these bad things happened to them. And and they wondered if he was going to be faithful to them as he had promised. You see it in the Garden of Eden. You see it with Noah. You see it with Moses and, and Abraham and Jacob and David. And if they didn't feel that God was right there with them or that God was showing up when he was supposed to show up and right there in their time of need, what did they do? They bailed on God. They did their own thing, and they did not trust God. They weren't faithful to God because God, in their minds, had not been faithful to them. He had not come through. And you may be here this morning, and it's not that you don't believe that God is going to be faithful. I would venture to guess that we truly do believe that God is going to be faithful to us. It's just that we just get tired of waiting, don't we? I mean, God, if you're going to come through, now would be a great time. I've often said I would have more patience if God would hurry up. We, we want what we want. We want God to come through for us now. I'm sure he will, and we rationalize it. I, I know God will eventually, but between now and then, I'm going to do the things that I need to do to make sure that this actually comes about. And we take things into our own hands. We take over. And when we start to take over, it means that we start to give up on God. And in the process, sometimes we give up on our spouse, we give up on our employees, we give up on our volunteers, we give up on our children, not because we don't believe in them, it's just that we kind of grow tired of waiting for them to do the things they said they were going to do. And we've got to get this done. And so we jump in and, and we take over. And in taking over, we, in a way, are giving up on them. And the reality is, in your life, It could be that that you've been waiting for a really long time for God to come through on something that's really important to you. Or maybe even you feel like God said no and God did not come through on something that was real important to you. In the book of Exodus, we find the people of Israel are in slavery. And the problem for us, at least for me, is this, that In a a few short chapters of the book of Exodus, we read that they're in slavery and then we read that they have been freed and they're no longer slaves. And in a few short pages, right, we go from all is lost to God is there and all is good, right? 
And, and what we fail to realize is this. It's been 400 years. They've been in slavery for 400 years. In my Bible, it's 11 pages, right? I can read that over lunch. In my lunch hour, they go from slaves to free. No big deal. But for them, it's been 400 years, 400 years of praying, of waiting, of wondering, of anticipating God showing up. For me in my life, I can get frustrated with God if he doesn't kind of resolve things by dinner time. I want the answer, and I want it now. These people were waiting 400 years. In the last book of the Old Testament, in Malachi, it contains some, some pretty interesting language. Malachi was a prophet of God. He spoke for, the, for God to the people. And essentially, uh, to kind of sum it up, it's a response that God gave to the people who were saying, hey, God, you didn't come through. You didn't fulfill your promises. You didn't banish our enemies. You didn't make us top dog. You didn't do all these things for us. We have waited so long. And God kind of says this to him in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. He says, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will, will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. Back in verse 2, uh, the writer uh, Malachi says this from the Lord. He says, for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. And the type of soap he's referring to is, is a, a very harsh soap that would actually, uh, it's, it's used in the process of cleaning a sheep's wool. And, and I'm not sure what you think of whenever you think of sheep or sheep's wool, but do you realize that uh, sheep are really dirty and disgusting animals? And if you think about it, we're referred to as sheep often in the scripture, so just kind of let that roll around in your head for a moment. In their wool, you would find such things as, as rocks and dirt and excrement and leaves and all kinds of yuck. So in the, in the shearing process, after that's all done, before the wool can be used in clothes and, and other applications in which it's used, it must be cleaned. And so the soap that they would use, especially at this time, was this really harsh soap that if it were to come in contact with the human skin, it would actually burn the skin and cause damage. But it was very proficient at cleaning wool. And so that's what they used. And so we read in the words of God, that God will fulfill and keep his promises. But as he does so, he's going to take us through a refining process and or a cleaning process where we're going to have the rocks and the dirt and the excrement washed off of us so that we can be who God wants us to be. And that process can at times be a very painful process. And I want to suggest to you, that is the problem. That the refining and the cleaning process is painful, and that is the problem. That's why we don't want to wait. That's why we don't want to be patient with God. That's why we don't want to go through the process. We want the result of God. We want to be clean. We want to have the life that he's promised us. But we do not want to go through the process of refining or the process of cleansing. 
We want to look for shortcuts to expedite the process so that we can maximize our time and minimize our pain and get things done. We want to lose all the weight in the first week, right, of our exercise program. We, we want to be sure that, that we can get the promotion after that first project. We want to start on the team after our first project. We want to conquer the video game on our first playthrough. It's what we do. Minimum effort, maximum results. We want what Timothy Ferris writes about in his books, the four-hour work week. You get everything you need to get done in four hours. We want the four-hour body. Have the body you want four hours a week. We want the four-hour chef. Only takes four hours to eat the way you're supposed to. We want minimum pain for maximum gain, right? That's what we want. We don't want the process. We want the shortcut. We want the results. We don't want to keep praying to God. I prayed about that already. Come on. We want the results. When the reality is, God wants a relationship with us that is a process in us. And it takes time. Think about it this way. If you were to say a prayer and God were to, boom, give it to you, which he could do, what kind of a relationship would that be? It would be a contract relationship where you ask, he gives, that's the way it works, right? You sign on the dotted line, okay, God, I'm a follower of you, now, genie in the bottle type thing. Does that make sense? And yet God doesn't want a contract relationship with us. Instead, he wants a covenant relationship with us. He wants to enter into that covenant relationship. It started with Adam and Eve. It went through Noah and Abraham and David and on and on down through the line through Jesus Christ. And through his covenant relationship, God has said to us, I am faithful to you. I have redeemed you. I will reconcile all things to myself. I will make all things new. I am with you always. God has said through his covenant relationship that even if you don't, I will. And that is an amazing relationship, and that is a process in which we have to become more like God, not making God more like us. That's why we don't like it. So often we get upset with God because he hasn't come through on our prayers. He hasn't fulfilled our longings. But we're in the process. We're not done yet. The final product is not done. And if we stop and think about it, 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 it makes sense to us. A friend of mine by the name of Brian, he shared that, that we should think about the promises of God this way. We should think about it like a marriage relationship. In a marriage relationship, is it possible for a spouse to fulfill all the promises of marriage on the first day that they're married? Is it possible to love someone in sickness and in health, in good times or in bad, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, on the first day? Can you fulfill all that in the first day? Can you fulfill all that in the first year or first several years? Oftentimes, the answer is no. And so even though I've made those promises to Michelle, I've yet to fulfill all those promises to Michelle. It happens through a process. It takes time. But we don't want the process. We want the final product. I encourage you to think about it this way. A little audience feedback. What is your favorite song or one of your favorite songs? What is it? caught you off guard. Everybody's thinking about something else. All right, you ready? What's a song you know? How's that? <laughs> Stairway to Heaven, okay. Something by the Almond Brothers. Jesus Loves Me. Never, ever, 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 ever getting back together. Thank you, Taylor. 
Everybody talks. Okay, you got it? Everybody you're starting to get there with me? Think about your favorite song. Get it in your head. When you hear that song on the radio, or you play it on your you know, mobile device, do you fast forward to the end so you can get to the end and go, man, I love that song? No. What do you do when you hear your favorite song? You listen. You enjoy it. You participate with it. You sing at the top of your lungs. You do your little dance thing, right? You're in the song. And if they were to change your song, if they were to take out a chorus or change the words or, or do like Kale and I like to do and change all the words to his, his sister's favorite songs, then it just changes the song, and we don't like that, do we? And what we love about music or about movies about how it develops and how there's process and how things change. And, man, we hate that about our lives, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, because we want to fast forward to the end and make sure that everything turns out okay. And God says, no, enjoy the process. Sing a little. Dance a little. Partner with me in this. Let's do this together. Another reason I think we get tired of waiting on God or upset when God doesn't come through for us immediately is because, unfortunately, oftentimes we're waiting for God to fulfill promises that he never made to us. He just didn't make some of the promises that that we're counting on. And because of that, you can be very disappointed with God, even though he didn't come through on a promise that he never made to you. I want to suggest a few things that God never promised you. You may disagree with this, but here's the list, all right? God never promised you wealth or health or good looks or a spouse or children or recognition, marital bliss, an amazing career, achievements, a bigger house, for everything to go your way or for anything to go your way. I just can't find that in scripture. If you can, let's talk because I would love some of those things is what I'm saying. And because God has never promised you these things, it's caused a lot of people to say, then why bother? Why pray? Why give? Why have faith? If God's not going to come through in these things of life, then what's the point? And I know the pushback, and some of you are going, well, wait, God made some promises to people in the Bible, right? He he made some of these promises to different people, and yeah, God did. God made some specific promises to some some specific people, but not to everyone. And whenever, whenever we take a promise that God made to someone specific and we try to apply it to us or to everyone, it causes a lot of people disappointment. And a disappointment that leads some people to abandoning their faith because God did not come through on a promise that he never made to them in the first place. Now, it doesn't mean you can't pray for these things, okay? It doesn't mean that you can't seek God's will for your life in these things, but but God never promised you the things that are going to be on that list. And you may see that as bad news, But I want to share with you some things that God did promise to you, and and then we'll talk about both lists together in a minute. Here's what God did promise you. Free from worry, especially about the things on that previous list. He said you don't have to worry about those things. To provide for us, to bring restoration, to love us unconditionally, to never leave us or forsake us, to bring renewal in our lives, to love you when no one else does, to be with us wherever we go, to reconcile us, to redeem us, which he did on the cross. And while we're waiting on the promises of God to refine us and to cleanse us, to make us the people that he desires for us to be. And just like the soap that's used on a sheep's wool, God cleans us. He cleanses us and 
And just like a fire, he refines us. He, he keeps his promises to us. But he does so over time, not all at once. And like a faithful spouse to their marriage prom, partner, God's promises are being fulfilled. They're being fulfilled in this moment of your life. Right now, God is fulfilling his promises to you, but they're not yet fulfilled because it's not done yet. We have to wait. But we don't like to wait. And that's why I think it's important that this time of year we celebrate Advent. We wait. We anticipate what God is doing. We anticipate the memories. We anticipate how what is happening today in our life will at some point be a memory that we look back on and we see what God was doing. And we may not see it today. But we can anticipate those memories because God is at work and he's showing us how it could be. It's like what Ian read from Zechariah's song there in Luke chapter 3. He was so ecstatic that the Messiah had come. He was overwhelmed. He was in the temple and he saw Jesus come into the temple and it wasn't the king that he had imagined. It's not what he thought, but, but the king had arrived and so he gave God the glory and he was excited. And if we take a look at those two sets of promises side by side there on the, on the screen behind me, those things that God has not promised us and those things that God has promised us, the reality is that there is no one no one on this earth that can promise you wealth or health or good looks or a spouse or any of those things. God is the only one that can promise you that he will be with you when no one else will, that he will love you when no one else does, that he will redeem you, that he will reconcile you. He is the only one that will promise you and can fulfill the promise to never leave you and never forsake you. And some of us today, we simply need to be reminded that God has not forgotten about you. You may just be in the worst part of the process today. Don't give up on God because he will not, will not give up on you. Even though people in our life abandon us, even though people in our lives break promises to us, we have a God who is faithful when we are faithless, who is loyal. And while you're in that waiting period, would you be willing to, to see what God is doing in your life, to see what is to come? Maybe you feel like God's not listening. Maybe you feel like God doesn't care, but I just want to remind you, he is faithful and he can be trusted. And his promises are being fulfilled they're being fulfilled in you now, and they will continue to be fulfilled in your life. And as he's fulfilling the promise, he invites us into the story. He invites us to sing a little, to dance a little, to enjoy the process. Don't fast forward to the end, because you miss the joy of the moment. We wait. We anticipate. The Savior. The amazing thing is, the Savior has come. He came and he gave his life for us on the cross. And he said to us that we are to remember and we are to celebrate what he did for us. 
And that's why every week we gather together and we sing and, and we hear part of God's word and, and we give and, and we remember. We participate in remembering through communion. And I'm going to ask the ushers to go to the back and prepare to pass out the trays as they get the bread and they get the juice. And we remember that Jesus, as we anticipate, as we wait, it's hard because he's already come. He's here. And he has said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Celebrate me. Walk with me. Join in the process. And he's inviting you to do that. As the elements are passed here in just a moment, we invite you to participate, to remember what God has done, to take the bread and to take the juice and to remember. We invite you to do that right now. I'm going to pray and then we're going to partake of communion together. Father God, the harsh reality is we don't like to wait. We want what we want and we want it now and a little earlier than now would be nice. God, help us to just stop and to right now focus on you and you alone and what you've done for us as we celebrate and as we remember together this morning. Thank you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.